Hello and welcome to the Coastline Covenant podcast. My name is Sean Hurley. This is not the usual voice you have for the podcast. Hunter, unfortunately, is not able to join us this week, and I can't tell you why, which is just the craziest thing. What I can promise you is that he has not fallen off another bike, nor is he in the hospital, but I think he's going to have a good story for us in a week or two. So hang in there. He'll be joining us again shortly. I am really excited to introduce my wife, Melinda Hurley, who'll be joining us today. Hi, friends. We are so excited. We got to interview Carrie Garcia. Um, she is going to be coming and speaking at the women's event uh, next week, Own the Light. She is a pastor, a trauma counselor, a speaker, an author, and just um, a really wise woman and I'm just really excited for you guys to hear all the amazing things she has to say. It's a really dynamic conversation this week. Um, I gotta tell you the conversation just moves and here's a warning we get deep fast on this True. and so we get into some heavy things but by the end we're talking about Star Wars so if it feels <laughs> a little bit heavy hang in there. Uh, she has some incredible insights about trauma and healing. I'm looking forward to you hearing it. And yeah, we look forward to seeing you all with her, all you ladies, I should say, next Friday, May 20th. You can get your tickets now at ownthelighttour.com. And I would tell you that this podcast is not just for the women. I think there's something for all of us to hear and learn and enjoy, especially if there's some pain in your life that's been kind of lingering for a long time. You're gonna like it, enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. Carrie, it is so great to have you on with us. We really appreciate you making the time to jump on and to come out and see us here. And I think in just a little bit over a week now. Yeah, May 20th on the light. It's going to be great. We're super excited to have you. I know. I'm so excited. We're literally counting down the minutes. It's actually been warm here in Chicago. So I'm not, I'm still very eager to come. But to be honest with you, a week ago, I was like, get me to Redondo. Just get me to Redondo. That's like everything but it actually got warm yesterday for the first time in seven months. So, you know, it's a little, it's bearable, but we are super excited to come to you guys and to end our tour with all of you. You get to be our last stop, which is really exciting. You know, I checked the weather in Chicago before we got on here. I saw it was 85 degrees there today. Yes. Yeah. That's, Wait, that's pretty great. That's like basically when it's here today. That's amazing. Yeah. That's the first time in seven months, friends. So can we have a moment of silence for what it's meant for this California girl yeah. to live 18 months in a place where it's seven months of winter? It's a dude. So we take our whole team to Chicago every January. And yeah. usually when we're there, it's negative 15, negative 20. And so the idea of Chicago at 85 feels like an impossibility to me. Like it can't yeah. ever be 85 in Chicago. Also, what kind of leader are you if you're taking your team in January? Is that like when the flights are cheap because no yeah. one wants to go? A, we're a church. Of course, that's it. <laughs> we're just trying to stay on budget over here. We planned yeah. the pandemic. This is We're saving every nickel. <laughs> I get it. All right. Frugality, I, I'm here for it. But your blessed team, your blessed. But, you know, they live in California. So, really, they're fine. It's, we, it's we, an adventure for us at that point. We have to suffer yeah. some, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know we've become really familiar with you i know melinda has been following your ministry for a long time uh but for our people who are just kind of getting to know you getting to know kind of own the light and the freedom movement maybe you could tell us a little bit about how this entire ministry got started and kind of some of your call into ministry mm -hmm. yeah i mean you'll get to hear some of that at the actual tour but i'll kind of give you the little bit of the 
how this all kind of got started, to be honest with you, came out of a lot of brokenness in my home. Uh, my dad was a pastor, is a pastor. My mom was, you know, pastor's wife. And a lot of this was birthed out of really church hurt and pain. So, you know, I say all of that because that's really what I was experiencing for so many years. And I just didn't know how to put language to I didn't even know I was allowed to be upset at God or the church or anything. You know, I just so was raised so in the church that I felt like I was um, dishonoring the church if I actually talked about what was really going on inside my home, my mom's mental illness or eating disorder. Honestly, that my dad really kind of left our family to go deal with ministry because our home was really crazy. And we all loved Jesus, but no one was really talking about what was real. No one was really talking about what was going on. And that was years ago. And there's been a lot of healing and all of that. But I remember sitting in church one day and I just felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, for years, you kept secrets that brought destruction. And now you have a secret that saves your life. And that was so true. Like I really, I was an addict for almost 10 years. I went into ministry thinking that was going to, you know, solve all my problems. <laughs> it really didn't because I didn't really deal with the brokenness inside. I just was moving from one behavior to the next. And it wasn't until I got really honest and almost took my own life that I really began this journey towards getting honest about the things that were really bothering me, upsetting me, hurting me, harming me, the pain I was carrying from my past and even in my present and allowing God to come in and tend to those and really just bringing everything. I had nothing left. And it was like, all right, if you want all of my honesty, then I'm going to bring it and we'll see what you actually do with it because I cannot perform anymore. I cannot pretend. I cannot fake it. I cannot perform. I don't even want to live anymore. So I just kind of had nothing left. And it was like my Hail Mary of, all right, we're going to give this a go. And for two years, I just wrestled this out um, with the Lord. And a few years later was when I kind of had that encounter with the Lord. And I... I thought, what would it look like if we got up and started being honest about what's really going on? And I had nowhere to do this. I had no, I just know God gave me the word freedom movement. Actually, I got a tattoo, my very first tattoo on my arm that says freedom. And I was sobbing in the on the couch in the middle of the night because I was like, I marked my body. You know, I'm a recovering Baptist. So it was a big deal. And, and the Lord spoke and said, well, you're starting a freedom movement. So dry your tears, you know, and, and that's like, that's how the name came. And I was meeting with my friend and we go, look, Apple started in a garage. We can start in a backyard. Let's just, let's do a backyard thing. And we just literally told, I'm Italian. So a lot of my family came to me, like 30 people, 15 of them were my family probably. Um, and we started a backyard and we did a backyard for four times that year. And then I went away like a true, you know, spiritual guru that I am just kidding, but went away to the mountains. And just prayed like, okay, God, what do you want to do next with this? And he said, take it into the church. And I, it was a hard no for me. I was like, nope. I, that's where I was wounded. And, you know, more stories about my mom. My mom committed suicide. And so a lot of the hurt happened in church. And I didn't want to bring this to the church. It felt sacred to me. And the church at that time still felt like they just wanted to devour me for my gifts and not just really partner with me. And and the Lord just sweetly whispered to my heart, what if you, what if your mom was sitting in there and she would have heard these words um, and your mom, quote unquote, is sitting in the audience and they need this truth. And so 
that was, you know, very, he's very convincing when he wants you to do something. And so that kind of began the journey. We've been doing this now for six, eight years. This is our sixth tour um, and our third nationwide tour. And it all started in a backyard, terrified and, and just wanting to make the world better than what I had, had experienced and make Jesus like make people fall in love with Jesus and the goodness of who he is, not, not fear him in the sense of, you know, I'm just going to come to him because I don't want to go to hell, but really experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. So that's kind of the backstory of how this all got started. I love that, but nope, not into the church that you turned that around or the things we say no to originally the first ask from God, but absolutely turns into a huge yes across the nation yeah it's so Fantastic. true yeah Carrie, i just kind of poke at something there because i mm-hmm. i think it resonated with me and i think it'll resonate with others i mean the, the message of jesus is one of grace he is the friend of sinners um we know that uh, it is for freedom the crisis set us free that there is all of the obedience and law keeping uh, no longer applies and we're just invited into this loving, knowing, transforming relationship with Jesus. I think everybody says that, but everybody also feels like they have to perform. Mm -hmm. Why are we so addicted to performance when we, the very message that we believe is is really all about grace? Mm -hmm. I mean, this touches on stuff that I, I deal with outside of these tours that we do. We do this thing called Freedom Academy, and we really train a lot around why am I going from behavior to behavior, trying to earn my way, even though I'm told there's grace, 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 grace. And I think it's twofold. Some of us is just human nature wants to control. And so I want to do everything in my power to earn my worth. Um, It's counterintuitive to lay down your life. Um, It's counterintuitive to surrender. It's we are survival people. And some of that's a good thing, right? If we're in a horrific situation, our body kicks into survival mode. And that's a good thing. The problem is, is that for many of us, we have lived in really hard stories. And no one's ever taken time to figure out those stories, to listen to those stories, to dive into those stories. And so we are living in a constant state of survival, survival mode. And in survival mode, we will always opt for control. (laughs) <laughs> and grace is the absence of our control, right? It is, it is, we are not in control. God is in control and his lavish love falls upon us. It's just so counterintuitive. And secondly, it's not what we've experienced on this world. We have, we don't have a lot of part of compartments in our brain where we can access grace because most of us, even with our family of origin, we haven't experienced grace. We've experienced pockets maybe, but it seemingly is conditional and we know that through society, you get praised if you do well, you get, uh, you get, you know, claps and likes on social media. If you look polished, you get a pat on the back. If your church is over a certain number, you actually get in a special club. If you have more than 5,000 people in your church, you know, there's, you, we live in this society. So grace, where do we access something that has not really been given to us? by human hands. And that's the only grid we really have to begin to see Jesus. And that's why we're doing a lot of work that we're doing is going, if we can be honest about our brokenness, but also relish in our beauty, then we can actually allow people to come fully as they are 
and then experience supernatural grace, one they don't have a compartment for, but will begin to through us being the conduits of God's love. Mm. So good. Yeah. Now, I know that you've also done some of your training in, in trauma, right? That's mm -hmm. an area of expertise for you, mm -hmm. um, which has been something that we've been talking about quite a bit for our own people, um, mm -hmm. is just kind of processing trauma. So I, I, I can't imagine what it feels like or what it must be like to work with people in their most wounded, the most damaged places of trauma. Like how, how did you get into that? <laughs> Maybe what keeps you there as well? Because I can imagine this, it's hard to, to hear the darkest days from people and how it affected them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not that hard anymore because I am like, man, you are finally feeling safe enough to say what is true. and. The enemy has gone unnamed and unchallenged for years. We think of the enemy working in Ouija boards and bad movies and haunted houses. And yes, he is there, I believe. But more often than not, he's in the particularities of our stories and the places where harm has come to us. Most of you that are listening will think you either don't have a story or you're going to minimize your story. It wasn't that bad. Look how bad they have it. Mm -hmm. And although that might be true in comparison, it mattered to you. It hurt you. And to ignore those places is to actually ignore the particularities of your calling. It's to ignore the places where the enemy is whispered and kept you limited and stuck. And so for me, when someone brings their story, even in the most horrific stories, those usually aren't the ones that are the hardest to deal with. It's sitting with people who are pretty affluent, who have, you know, the the house, the picket fence, the two kids, the dog, you know, the finances to travel, those things, because they either feel guilty for having a story or, or feeling like they have a story or they just completely have minimized or ignored it. That's the harder work for me mm -hmm. because the enemy has so been so sly in allowing you just to have what is around you and and feed that the satiation, the the momentary satiation of going, okay, there's a hole, but I'll just buy another pair of shoes you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it's not, to me, I got into this work because I did everything that you're supposed to do in church to get better. And I didn't get better. Mm -hmm. I, I did, I did the best more Bible study. I did, I was, and I served, I mean, I did the overhead projector, you know, I mean, this is dating me, but I did that. I was salty, the praise book. Like I did everything. Yes, thank you. I love I that. Everything. Yeah. Linda's love language. Well, I was in all those shows too. So we're just sharing a moment. Carry on. <laughs> right, right. We did all of these things and my life was still falling apart. Like at the scene, it was falling apart. And I performed the heck out of it. But when the lights life were out and no one was around, my marriage, my previous marriage was a disaster. My, my family of origin was a disaster. I was physically a disaster. And I just was like, if this is Jesus, I don't want any part of this. This is, this is not healing me. I'm moving from one behavior to the next, which is really one addiction to the next addiction and ministry and became that. And so to me, it's like, once I finally got honest and I started getting honest about the places where truth about my story, the truth began to set me free. And so now I have this like, bubbling up like hell no not on my watch will this continue to happen for anybody that comes across me so when they start sharing a really hard story I'm like finally you are bringing to light what is true mm -hmm. and now we can start 
exposing what the enemy has whispered for years, probably since you were little, about how you're too much or you're not enough or your voice is too loud or your voice is too soft, whatever it is. But now I have the ability by the power and authority of Christ to begin to move into places where God can start to transform. So it doesn't take a toll because I'd rather work with honesty. What takes a toll is continuing in the cycle and the cog of behavior modification. That will wear me out all day. Yeah, I, one of the things I think Christians have been taught is, and I think I mentioned this to you earlier, Carrie, it's just like Philippians 3.13, forget what is behind and press on to that which Christ has called you. Um, and, and we almost present it as if it's that simple. It's just forget and take hold and move forward that there's nothing beneficial in going and dealing with the past. All we need to do is take a further hold of grace and move on. Uh, it's almost like a, a Christian version of time will heal all wounds. Just, yeah. if you just forget it. And if you just go to church, everything will get better. And what I think I hear you saying is that's not true. Well, we know it's not cycle. We know it's like biologically, it's not true. Like we know our brains cannot do that. And if Jesus in his resurrected body in Revelation is standing there fully resurrected and still bears the scars, then he's letting us know that the scars tell the story. And to evade the story and to forget what has happened is actually to, to allow our faith to be really, really wishy-washy. Because faith is grounded on remembering what God has done in the midst of our brokenness and to really forget about, you know, what is behind us and press forward to what is ahead. First of all, you have to read scripture in context, 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 context. I don't care how you read scripture, but if you're reading it and it's not in context, I could take anything out and make it mean anything I want. But to not look back at our past is to actually avoid the processes of sanctification and to move into places to become more like Christ means that I have to look into my story where the enemy has his talents and begin to expose that so light can expose darkness so that sanctification into me become more like Christ as it is in heaven right here on earth. I can't do that and sever myself from my past. I actually will not be able to heal mm-hmm. if I don't integrate my entire story. Jesus was embodied. He was integrated body, mind, and spirit, then he's asking us to do that as well. That means that we have to bring to light those stories that have shaped us. It's your first classroom. So how could you ignore the places where you've been shaped and not allow God to rewire those places for his glory? It, it, it makes no scientific sense and it makes actually no biblical sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, it's been um, obviously a really challenging couple of years for the entire world. Um, yeah. but our, our congregation and everyone as well, just, you know, church things, pandemic masks, relational challenges. Um, sure. is it fair to say that, um, everyone has been traumatized in the last couple of years, but I also mm-hmm. wonder how much, um, just the pandemic has exacerbated what was already, what the trauma or the wounds or the hurts or the behaviors even that were mm-hmm. already there. Have you seen that? Do you agree with that? Mm. Is that? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what the pandemic did was strip us of our coping mechanisms. And we now have to deal with what's underneath. Church, in essence, became a place where I could just show up on Sunday, get my hit of three worship songs, a good 20-minute message, and then you know a closing song to really tie it all together. And then I just went about my day 
and we noticed, we, we saw when, when the church got emptied, which God doesn't allow his temples to be emptied unless he's emptying them. So I'm just curious about what God is seeing in a macro level about where his children were and how they're isolated and bubbled inside four walls that are feeding consumerism and not really just allowing heart transformation to happen because heart transformation happens when we sit in honesty with other people saying me too. So in a way, I hate that the pandemic happened because we're suffering the trauma of that. And in another way, it's the soil is so ripe for us to actually go, okay, I don't have any more coping mechanisms to hide behind. I need to just Who's going to let me talk about what's really going on? Um, And so in a way, we've gone into churches, many, many churches, brought the tour, brought the academies, and been like, here's how we're going to sit with people and actually hold their story. Like they're they're not a project to be solved. They're a story to be held. And that's how Jesus did it in scripture. It's ancient and it's new. And I'm just like, you know, this is, this is the ripest time where we have a window of opportunity where people are forced to be honest about what's really going on because they can't hide behind, you know, church or work or anything, you know? Absolutely. I'm so grateful. Just there is a new way of doing church and we're all kind of figuring out what that is right now. Mm-hmm. But I love, um, I love it. We're doing that. Carrie, I think 10 years ago, if you asked somebody uh, for a definition of trauma, I think it was like, basically a life or death experience one a moment where you uh you really believe that you might die or that you experience death closely and that's what a traumatic event was and so um things like uh ptsd from warfare or um, if you're in the medical field like these kinds of moments would be defined as trauma but it feels like that definition's getting bigger um where now trauma is something where we recognize it it can happen to you uh, without necessarily through a near-death experience, but but just through other kinds of death in maybe like relational death and um, mm-hmm. death of a certain hope or a promise or an ideal future. Mm-hmm. I don't know if many people know if they're traumatized or, or how to identify, mm-hmm. am I just in pain or have I really experienced trauma? Mm-hmm. How, how could somebody know if they've experienced a real significant trauma? Yeah, I mean, there is a difference between big T trauma and little T trauma, but we know little T trauma built over time actually acts the same as big T trauma in our brain. So every single person on this planet has been traumatized because trauma in itself, by definition, thanks to neuroscience catching up to what the Bible's already been saying, but it's like, basically, this is layman's terms, but trauma is any time I've experienced powerlessness or fragmentation. Think about you on the playground. You are standing there. You're getting bullied by a friend and that you thought was a friend or someone who's not a friend and you're feeling powerless. Trauma always, a trauma event, that's a trauma event. I'm feeling powerless. I don't, I can't fight back. So that's a trauma event. Trauma always needs comfort and care for it to process through our body. It needs to be shared. It needs to be grieved. It needs to be comforted. God knows this. I can give you a ton of scripture for this. I can also give you neuroscience around this. But when it becomes embedded is when a trauma event happens and there's no one to talk with about it. There's no one to process it. There's no one to hold it with you. There's no one to grieve it with you. So it gets embedded in your body and you start, it actually affects your brain, the hippocampus amygdala, we won't go into that, but it affects your brain and doesn't allow your brain to talk the way it used to talk. And it could be something so small. 
but it starts to build up and you begin to have this narrative. This world is not safe. So let's take church hurt, for example. I had something happen to me in the church. I, and I have nowhere to process that. The trauma event happened. It happened. But in order for it to not be embedded, it has to be talked about. It has to be grieved. It has to be shared. It has to be held, not in us fixing it, or for it to come to the light so the Holy Spirit can begin to bring comfort and care. So in that, it doesn't lodge itself as embedded trauma. Now, here's the beauty of this work. Now you've got me all excited. But the beauty of this work <laughs> is that we know this by the brain. And Jesus knows this. Confess your sins one to another so that you will be healed. Three are better. You know, a cord of three stands is not easily broken. Two are better than one. Um, so it says all of this language literally in scripture, Genesis. All of this is good, and yet it's not good for man to be alone, even though man was walking with Jesus. God said, that's not enough. He needs someone like him and yet different. My point in saying is that what we do know is that when we begin to share traumas, whether they are childhood traumas or current traumas, anytime we felt powerless and it didn't get care, it's embedded, when we bring it out and share it with a safe, trusted friend, and we are allowed the space to grieve it, we actually see the brain begin to heal. And what was embedded trauma flushes through the body and now just becomes a trauma event. So we'll always, we'll always know that was hurtful, but it no longer is the grid in which we see church, God, whatever, because it has been offered care. How cool is God? Uh, that through each other, our brain gets to be able to heal by holding each other's trauma stories. So just amazing. I love that. Um, so I'm assuming then that trauma is not healed overnight or like a one and done conversation. <laughs> I know this, I'm kind of like asking you, here. Yeah. but um, what, I think some people actually think that it is like, if I can yeah. this sin or share this feeling once or cry healing tears, you know, whatever the one thing is, yeah. um, what, what is something, and you alluded to it, what's the first step and, or what should people expect when starting to walk through trauma mm -hmm. with other believers or in a safe place? Mm -hmm. uh, number one, get honest. And mm -hmm. um, you're lying to yourself. Most of us are, we have to get honest. What happened? What happened? And you go, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's so stupid. A lot of people tell me that whenever someone says it's stupid or whatever, I'm always, my ears perk up because I know that there's, there's the enemy there with contempt towards yourself. And there's trauma hidden behind that because shame is always trauma and shame always is the indo window into trauma. It's going to give me indication. So we have to get honest. How do I really feel? What really happened? How angry am I at God about it? How angry am I at my parents about it? How angry am I at myself? We just have to get honest about the scenarios and the stories so they can be tended to without being honest and without a safe place to be honest, you, it is inevitable that it will stay embedded. So yeah. honesty is number one. That's great. And I'm guessing part of your hope for the Own the Light event is that it helps people both face kind of some of the things in the past and, and move forward into healing. What does it mean for someone to own the light? Mm -hmm. Well, so I just want to clarify this because yes. we've been talking about some really heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to clarify what, what on the light is and what it isn't. Sure. Okay. Yes. So all that we've been talking about is a lot of my training sure. and I love talking about this stuff. That's not necessarily what on the light is. Right. So what, what you can expect from on the light is a fun night 
where we're just going to tell stories. My friends, uh, you know, Tony's going to tell a story. Tanya's going to tell a story. She's going to share it through music. I'm going to tell a story about my life. I'm also going to give about a 15-minute pretty much comedy routine about me shaving my legs. You don't want to miss it. It's a fun night, but I just want to say it's an intro into what does it look like for me to be a little honest? You're not going to bring your story. This is for you to come and sit and enjoy. This is for you. This is a safe place for you to bring someone who doesn't know Jesus, who is like jaded by the church, who is hurt by the church, who hasn't been in church ever, who's not church. We're not using a lot of that lingo-y, Christianese stuff. We aren't even doing worship on the front end because people that don't know Jesus, worship is, it's they feel left out. They don't know the words. Everyone's raising their hands. They don't know what's going on, you know? We do do worship at the back end, but I explain what it is. It is a night where we're going to awaken this light that you have inside you. We know in Matthew, it talks about, I have given you a light. I want to put you on a hilltop. I will not cover you with a bucket. I do not want to blow you out. In fact, in Psalms, it says a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out and a bruised reed, he will not break. And so I just feel like this is, this tour has been the invitation for people just to come, look, this has been a tough, tough time. And for whatever reason, and to come into a place where you don't have to pretend you don't have to come any type of way. You can even come like, I don't even know about this Jesus thing. I just need a night away from my kids. I heard there's snacks here. I want the snacks. You know, I want to laugh. I want a good night where I'm going to laugh. It's a night where you're going to come. But what I promise you is that you're going to be inspired to get a little more curious about those desires that you have within you. Like, why am I here? Like there's a purpose for me. There's a calling on my life, whether I know Jesus or not. I was fashioned by the hands of God for purpose. And I believe, and we've seen this as this is the last tour, I have watched women across the nation come in like that bruised reed, come in like that smoldering wick, just barely hanging on and leave with an awakening and igniting that there is more for me. But it doesn't just end at this event. Our hope would be that these women would plug in to the long-term care and love in the local church, which happens to be with you guys, that, that it doesn't stop there, that it's actually the beginning to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to this church because they brought something this raw and this honest. That must mean they're somewhere around like going <laughs> to care for my heart. And they are. And the beautiful part is you guys, I've gotten a chance to get to know you and you guys care about the hearts of these people it's why you're doing the ministry series you're doing right now it's why you're talking about trauma it's why you're not shying away from your own stories and you're allowing yourself to be fully seen and fully loved because you know what it means to be broken and and that's what our hope is is that people would come in with the expectation that they can just come as they are however they are whether they're ready to shout it from the mountaintop or whether their smoldering wick is like barely hanging on, that there's a place for them to be poured into, to laugh, maybe cry a little bit if they choose to, but allow themselves to be in a room with other women where everyone just looks around and says, you know what, me too. It's just hard for me too, and that's okay. I'm so glad you put those words to it. I think we're gonna, um, some women from Coastline are gonna hear this and 
my hope is they'll be like, oh, I really need to invite so-and-so because yeah. they just shared, like they're mm-hmm. going to take care of her. It's, we've had, you know, times before you invite people from to an event and you're just not sure what's going to be said from stage. And it's like, totally, you know, and just the fact that you are so willing to care for, um, the hearts and the stories of people. I think that's going to give um, really great permission for um, our congregation to invite friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and all everyone else Agreed. in the South Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just pray. Yeah. Just pray, right? Who does God want me to bring? And maybe you're the extra ticket. Maybe he's not asking you to bring anybody and you're just like, I could barely get my pants on today. You know what? Right. Come on, me too. COVID <laughs> took a number on my jeans. So come on, you know, maybe it's just you. I don't want you to be so pressured that you can't come because you don't know who to invite. I would encourage you to ask your, you know, pray, God, who do you want me to bring? It might be your barista. It might be your neighbor. You don't know, but we have seen neighbors come, come to know Jesus. And all they did was just ask trepidly. Like, do you want, I have this extra ticket. I don't know what to do with it. Would you be willing to, I don't want to go by myself. Most people will feel bad for you and they'll just come. The the pity (laughs) invite. (laughs) Hey, Whatever gets them there. Holy Spirit works in pity. It's fine. Maybe. No, but I've been surprised just by, um, I mean, for you, Melinda, how many invites you have put out there and how many yeses you've gotten. I, I can't believe it. Like in my history of doing church, getting someone to come to church is a tough ask. And it's, it, you don't usually convert that into a sale. You get a lot of no's. Here's the thing. I, I can't believe how many yeses you've gotten. Well, I've just found over my lifetime, people just want to be invited. They just want to be invited in. And um, there are people floating around who are still doing online church and haven't aren't with a community and people are starting to long for community right now. And so, um, yeah, I have just been wanting to do the invitation and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, the whole story we don't have to go into, we've kind of shared with our church about how this whole thing came to be, but I'm just really excited to see what God is doing. It seems like there's just the beginning of a revival in the South Bay and we're, yes. we're pumped to have you come and ignite the light. Yeah, we're ready, girl. We're ready. You guys, it's a buy one, get one ticket. So that, you know, you, you don't have the option of only buying one. You have the option of using the second one. That's for sure. Just come as you are. If you, I don't want, I don't want all this, no shame, no condemnation. If you have someone bring them, if you don't just come yourself, but it's buy one, get one. It's 40 bucks. Um, so 20 bucks for you and 20 bucks for a friend. I mean, we, you know, we would, we would, that's our Starbucks money, you know? And so it's that it's going, you go to ownthelighttour.com to get the tickets um, for it. And it's just really a good, fun, honest, honest night and I think what we hear the most is this was so refreshing this was so honest and so real I laughed and I cried and it was a night that filled my soul but also allowed me to go okay what's next and they are craving community you're wired for it you can't you can't fight it you're wired since the garden to crave community and and this I believe this is the, the beginning catalyst for that that community that's great. Yeah. Now I have one last question for you. Melinda and I are going okay. to Disneyland tomorrow with our kids. Yeah. What ride should we go on first? <laughs> oh, I love Disneyland. Are you guys are just doing Disneyland, not California? Just Disneyland, Disneyland tomorrow. Okay. Disneyland. Okay. okay. Mm, I love Star Wars and the new Star Wars rides that are out. Yeah. So good. That's I, good. I, 
Right? That's so fun. <laughs> we'll for sure do the full sprint when they're like, don't run, walk. We're like, ah. yeah. Well, we have to run. So sorry. If you're not by the pool. Run, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's such a good one. And I just love the whole, like that whole area down there because man, they Disney just does it up, you know? So, and you're like, I'm in the movie. There's Chewbacca. It's so true. That's what we're going to name this podcast. There's Chewbacca. (laughs) We always look for something obscure that comes up in the middle of it. It's going to be, there's Chewbacca. That's a clickbait right there. Yeah. (laughs) Would you be willing to uh, close the podcast in a prayer? I just would love to have you pray for the event and pray for this church. And and we just appreciate your time. Of course. God, we just know that you're working. And we don't have a mission you have a mission and we get to partner with you in the mission that you have to reconcile your kids back to your arms where you want to tend to their hearts, where you want to um, meet with them in the cool of the day, where you want to pursue them even down the darkest alleys. Scripture after scripture after scripture lets us know that you are a pursuing God, that you are knocking and you are wanting to be invited in. And so, Lord, I just pray for every woman and every man that is listening to this right now and that you would place upon their heart somebody in their life, whether it's a sister or a mother, their barista, their neighbor, their daughter, whoever it is, God, that that needs to come. We're going to trust that you're already working, that you've already been pursuing them in the whispers in the middle of the night or standing in that party where they just feel like that's not where they're supposed to be, or maybe just sitting at home in the hurt of what it's meant to be ostracized by community, church, family. And that there's that brokenness that just feels so real, but that you're not asking them to fake it. You're just asking them to come, come as you are and let my spirit through my daughters minister to your heart, come honest and open and curious and it's in those places that I believe the seeds of transformation begin to happen where freedom begins to flow and abundance that you talk about that we all want that we actually get to start seeing it's in the grief and the gratitude the hurt and the hope that we find the deity of Jesus so I thank you God for what you're going to do move mightily may we steward this time well fill the room God um, as only you can and may we steward it by your power and your might in Jesus name amen Amen. Thank you so much. We're so looking forward to seeing you next Friday. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Okay. Great. Thanks, Gary.